Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Business Access by TD Image. My name is Diego D'Souza, and today we're talking to Sandra Dalton-Smith, the owner and CEO of IChooseMyBestLife.com. Sandra, how are you? Hi, I'm doing good. I'm excited to talk to you because when I looked at your LinkedIn and I follow some, I stalked some of your videos, um, you're, you're a keynote speaker and you talk about energy. You talk about yeah. how, how to regain your energy, how to be like energized in life. And I was like, I need to know more about that. So tell me more about how to be energized in life. I think that the first thing really is to get an understanding of where you're pouring your energy out. I think for many of us, we don't really think about it. And that's where most of my research has been focused around is really getting very clear about the areas of my life that I am using and expelling energy so that I can be very intentional about getting energy in those areas. And how did you start on this path? What made you say that this is what I want to do? Well, I'm a board-certified internal medicine physician, so I started off really focusing more on the health and wellness aspects of life, and really about 15 years ago, um, I was at a point in my career where I was extremely busy, had a lot going on. Uh, at the time, I was doing a lot with media and had a, you know, a few book contracts I was trying to, to keep up with, and got to a place where I just burned out, <laughs> to be wow. honest. I just got to, you know, there was no energy. There was no um, joy of the work anymore. You know, I was still, uh, I'm a high achiever, so my personality is that I can keep cranking out work even when I'm exhausted and even when I am <laughs> depleted. And I, you know, I think a lot of us are like that. We just have the kind of the mental um, capacity to kind of keep grinding it out even when we are just not in a good place. Um, and so that's where I was at. And as a physician, you know, I did all of the t- traditional medical things as far as checking my thyroid gland and my adrenal gland and <laughs> all of those things to try to see if I could find the magic thing that was causing it. And honestly, it was just my lifestyle. And I started looking uh, really deeper at work-life integration, um, doing some research, starting to kind of look at myself, my patients, most of my patients that I tend to treat have very similar personalities. They're also high achievers goal-oriented type people. And so I started looking at our lives and we started working through some processes of seeing where are the areas that we need to restore and to pour energy back into to really be at our best, to live our best life. That is so true. I I always have a bad habit of putting too much on my plate. And you, and only thing I know how to do is just keep moving forward at whatever ha- like if I put five things on my plate and I only have time for four I say to myself I have to find a way I'm gonna keep moving forward and I'll figure it out and it's just it, it's a lot <laughs> it's a lot um let me ask you this um so there's a lot of stress a lot of stress happening right now in people's lives you know from work um from home um and, and just self-expectations how are we, because of the coronavirus uh, pandemic, uh, how are we supposed to deal with this? 
Well, I think what I'm finding for most people is really just getting very clear about what's tired in their life. You know, where are they stressed out? Where are the areas that are getting stressed out? One of the biggest areas of my research has to do with looking at rest and the seven types of rest or the different types of rest. I think most people really aren't even aware that there are seven types of rest. And so when they say that they're tired or they say that they're stressed, they just try to do this kind of global, I'm going to just sit in front of the TV and veg out and that's going to make me feel more, you know, less stressed or, you know, I'm going to do this one thing, maybe get more sleep and that'll help me feel less stressed. And I think one thing that, that really helps people, particularly right now, that most of us, we've been in our homes, you know, we've had plenty of downtime, but we don't feel any more rested. We don't feel any less stressed. And it's because we're not actually getting rest and restoration and stress relief in the area that we're having the, the biggest deficit. Wow. And I think that is the key for many people, identifying where in your life are you at the biggest rest deficit? What is being stressed to the max? Wow. Um, uh, what I do with my patients, I actually have them do a free assessment that I offer at restquiz.com where they can find out, oh, I'm deficient in this one of the seven types of rest, and now I need to focus getting more of that particular type. Wow. That is so for me right now. <laughs> I can't even sit. So when I, because I, I, I'm a workaholic, and my wife knows this, and she gets on me about it. And when I go to sit in front of the television, I can't even concentrate on what I'm watching because my brain, it's so moving forward mm -hmm. on the things that I have to do that I don't relax or I don't settle down or, or I, I don't uh, re-energize myself uh, because my brain is not focused on doing that. And honestly, what we did is we've gone for walks and that honestly mm -hmm. has helped me a lot more to feel relaxed and feel like I can breathe again with with everything that we have going on. And it released a lot of stress out of my life. Yeah, I love that because what you're describing is a mental rest deficit. Your head, your, kind of your mind chatter is staying very active even when you're trying to wind down. And so you're having to allow yourself some time to get to a little bit of cerebral white space so that you can diffuse all of those thoughts and have a chance to really get that mental clarity. Just so that, yeah. you know, just to kind of give a, a rounded picture of it, the seven types of rest are physical, mental, spiritual, emotional, social, sensory, and creative. And wow. so for a lot of people, because they don't evaluate rest and their need for rest like that, there's usually one or two areas that, that persistently stay depleted. And unfortunately, if you're just trying to sleep to get, you know, to, or go, um, you know, veg out or do certain things that you think should be restful, but they don't tend to actually make you feel any better, usually that's because the area that, that you're needing to rest in is not the area that you're actually participating in. You have to get rest in the area of the deficit. I'm very concerned about this interview because I feel like I'm going to owe you a lot of visits afterwards <laughs> and we're going to have a bill happening. 
Because this is, is, is such good news. It's, it's, it's things that I see in myself that I need. Because um, I can 100% say that I don't uh, have rest for those seven different areas. And I, when you, most people don't. And it, it's really interesting because I, I don't think I don't think about that. I don't think I need some rest. A lot of what I do has to be in a creative form, but I don't think uh, that I need rest in that. But when it comes to it, I can understand why people say they have uh, just mental blocks when it comes to thinking creatively, when writing, write, writer's block and things like that, um, because they're not letting the, their creative size have a break and, and just calm down for a little bit. Yeah, I think um, a really quick, uh, really quick read for anyone who's kind of wanting to get kind of a full picture of those seven types. Fast Company did a write-up on are you getting the right type of rest um, in 2019 based on my book, Sacred Rest. So I'd highly recommend just kind of Googling my name, the Fast Company, and it will pull up. But I think that's probably going to help a lot of people because it gives kind of a quick review of each of the seven types. And for most of us, once you read it, it's kind of like once you have a name for it and you can identify it, you you can almost quickly start determining that's the one. That's the one that I'm not actively um, really getting more enough rest in. Oh wow, we're gonna we're gonna get that link from you and make sure that's uh, on your episode so people can go to it and find that support. Let me ask you this, so. Right now, there's a lot of work-related stress, and I don't mean just work-related mm-hmm. as in your job. I mean, also, a lot of people have lost their jobs. How can people deal with that, uh, with that stress to help them start motivating themselves to move towards a solution? I think for most people, any type of change, whether it's positive or negative change, automatically starts. Uh, the stress response, you know, with a job loss, you know, that many people are facing right now, the stress response tends to be focused on the what ifs, you know, uh, what, what, what's going to happen now, you know, as far as finances and family responsibility and expenses that have to be paid. And I think those are definitely all, you know, legitimate issues to be concerned with. But I think what many of us have to really keep in mind in those situations is that you don't want to get so trapped in the mindset of, you know, that that there's nothing positive that could come out of it. You know, I've had seen so many examples where people were almost forced into their new thing, the next thing that they need to be doing in their life. But because they had a comfy job and, you know, everything was kind of moving along okay, there was never that little extra push to go to the next level. And so many opportunities where I've seen people who, you know, had had it not been for a job loss, they wouldn't have started their company or they wouldn't have written that book or they wouldn't have done whatever that thing is that they thought about, but their comfort level kind of kept, kept them stuck. So I always welcome people to kind of look at it from the mindset of what can I, what can I do from where I'm at right now? We can't always go back and change things. So if you've been furloughed or you know, permanently laid off a job, you're not necessarily going to be able to go back and fix that problem. What can you do from this point forward? Well, yeah, that is so, that's such a truthful statement. I, I, I think people need to understand that there, there's a time that we, we take in what happened, the negative 
that has happened. But there's a time where we have to decide then to move forward and figure out, okay, is this the right time for my dream? If this is this the right time for me to motivate myself to do that thing that I didn't have time to do, uh, and and try to mm-hmm. make something out of it? I think that's so important. Um, let me ask you this. So, of course, a lot of people are not balancing work life and uh, family life. They're actually together now because a lot of people are working from home. So how can people deal with that properly? Well, I hate that word balance. Because <laughs> um, it just doesn't exist. Um, you know, if, we have, if I have my work and my family on opposite sides of the scales, they're just that. They're on completely opposite sides. I always like to look at it as work-life harmony. You know, how can I have it so that there's uh, integration so that these two things are not ap- opposition to each other, but they actually can function in a way that that I'm giving my best in both situations. Right. And I think one thing right now that a lot of people are having to come to grips with is that you have to have some really hard boundaries. So, you know, don't have your laptop all over the house doing work necessarily, because then it becomes very easy to never turn off. Because, you know, people like me who are like, oh, if I got my laptop, I could be doing this and that. There's never a, there's never a work schedule. Your work schedule is from sun up to sun down. And, you don't, and your family time is just kind of whenever you can fit it in. So I think if you normally would work with, say, 8 to 5 or 8 to 6, to make sure that whenever that time frame that you're working, maybe it's not all done in an office, but it's not all over the house have some very designated workstations. One might be on your patio that you're going to spend a couple of hours. The other one might be at your office. But when your time to conclude comes to an end, you know, that five, six o'clock time frame, I like for people to actually shut the door if it's, a, if it's an office space that you're using in your home. Have that place kind of be where you're going to go from that eight to six, eight to five. You shut the door at that time period and you don't go back in there doing that work again until your next day's work time begin. I think it's very unhealthy to kind of um, have an unending work period because it really is for certain people who have a tendency to be workaholics, it's permission to never stop working. Wow, that is so true. And, and some of us have the habit to think in the front end of that is to say, oh, I'm going to go work in the kitchen so I can... Uh, be near the fridge or, or something like that. Oh, I'm going to always work in the dining room to be uh, be in the di- just areas of comfort. And then they eliminate that from when they're not working because the dining room became the office. And then later on, when it's time to shut down, when you go back to that dining room to have dinner, it actually puts you in a almost a work mentality because you're back in the same mm-hmm. place you were about an hour ago doing paperwork or on the computer. Yeah, so I, I really like for people to have designated work areas. But, you know, unfortunately, we've had lockdown for so long that, you know, I understand the need to, maybe I could go on the patio for a couple of hours. I get it. So, yeah, I think it's, it's fine to, you know, occasionally kind of take it out to different locations. But I honestly really prefer that people have a designated work area at home because that really puts the boundaries up. And that, and it helps. And if you have kids, it helps them to know 
okay, mom or dad, you know, working right now. They're in their office. They're working. That means I can't play my music loud or just barge in screaming whenever I feel like it, that I need to be respectful. I need to, you know, peek in, make sure nobody's on a call or, you know, those specific things. Whereas I find that you, you get a lot more interruptions when you are kind of putting your work all over the house. They don't know when they're stepping on your toes because you're in the living room. <laughs> so true. They don't know that they need to be quiet. So <laughs> that I think is it so helps true. the whole family to have those boundaries. I have a, a colleague of mine um, and they have an upstairs and a downstairs. So he has uh, different foot stomps for what he's doing. So if he's on a call, <laughs> he'll stomp the ground twice so they understand that and they need to keep it down because he's on a call. <laughs> it's just so interesting. So how can, let me ask you this. Um, of course, all this is new to us. Like we, we've truly never been in this situation before. So there's a lot of anxiety happening um, when people are combining these two areas of life. Um, how do people deal I feel like you already answered this by keeping things separate um, but how do people deal what are other forms of dealing with the anxiety from work and not carrying over to family family life or the anxiety of family life carrying it over to uh, your work life and how to keep those two as you said united yes well I think I think honestly it's probably harder the the second way you mentioned um, trying to keep the anxiety from family life from spilling over into the work life. Mm -hmm. I think the the first one, as you mentioned, we kind of discussed with some of those boundaries. Um, but I'd love just to touch on the the opposite of that. Just you know the things with having your kids home when they normally would be at school or at camp or you know doing all of these different things in the summertime. I think uh, at this point, what I'm finding that helps a lot of families uh, is to really make sure that their kids have some level of kind of a continuation or schedule. I don't want to use the word schedule because it's summer for most of them. So they want to kind of be able to do their own thing. But I think because we've had so many months of un unorganized activity that it's created a bit of stress within the just the family unit. And I think what I'm what I would recommend for most family and what I've seen to be most effective in families that I've talked to is to, to come up with some type of routine that your family is following. So wow. I'll give myself as an example. I have two teen boys. You know, we had two months where they were home, where they would normally be at school and in soccer games and all these other things, and they were basically stuck in the house. And so now we're at summertime when one would normally be doing, you know, football practice and training and all of that. And so what they're doing is they have a certain period of day that they – that they do work, um, that they do, there's things that they do um, as far as just their own ACT studying and preps and those kind of things. Mm -hmm. So there's a period of day to do that. They have a period of day where it's just downtime. You know, they do whatever they feel like doing. They have a period of day where they work out together, you know, and they have a period of the day where they game. Now, it's not like locked in stone, you know, so they can flip it around if there's something going on or they want to hang out with their friends on a, to do a video game at a certain time. But they have some kind of these these segmented areas so that they don't feel like they're just kind of lounging around all day. Because I find family stress and family anxiety kind of amps up when everybody feels kind of uncertain about where they stand. <laughs> Is it oh, wow. okay to play this game now if mom and dad, 
you know, how do I know when mom and dad are going to be on a call? Or, you know, it, it, it's helpful for the family to have some guidelines. So my husband and I, we try to kind of plan when we're going to do our calls so that the, the kids don't have to be like, you know, tiptoeing around us all day long, kind of anxious, not sure what's happening. <laughs> I can't touch that right now. No, I don't know if I should touch that. Right. Yeah. yeah, you have to have a sketch. No, I totally you, agree. I think that is so helpful. I think can that. You imagine? Yeah, no, <laughs> I'm not touching that. Did you see mom's face last night? No, I'm not doing that. No, it's so it's so important. That is so correct, and I think that is so helpful too for parents who are working from home that their 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 kids are structured and they understand that because. It alleviates the stress on the kids to understand when they should and should not do things, but it also alleviates the stress on the parents knowing that everything is organized. They can be on this call comfortable. They're not. They don't have to be stressed out about something's going to happen in the background. Somebody's going to turn on a, a a radio and it's going to be loud while I'm on a call with my CEO or something. They understand that in their head. My kids know we've been here. My kids know that this time I'm on a call. We just spoke about it. It's a clear message. Everything is fine. I think that is such a that's such a good way to look at it. It's um, I need to implement that in my life right now. So <laughs> I told it's very you very helpful with teens. Very helpful with teens and with older kids. And if you for people with younger kids, what I find is you know they're attention. Unfortunately, you can't. You, the schedule can't be like week long. Like with my teens, I'm like this week I'm doing calls at this time, and they're like cool, and they remember it. They put it on their Google Calendar. With a three year old, it's gonna be like what you know. <laughs> so what I find with people who have smaller kids that it's helpful that if you have like a block of time that you're gonna need to do something, to to tell them right before. So mommy needs to go do this right now. Can you play with your play doh? You know <laughs> for 20 minutes while I go take this call. Right. Um, because, you know, they are not going to remember three hours ago that you told them you needed to do something. <laughs> that is so true. That is so true. We got to make sure that they, <laughs> whatever, when, when they're <laughs> under a certain age, you have to repeat, rewind, and repeat. Right. <laughs> uh, um, so let me ask you, um, let's go back to businesses. So a lot of businesses are now... Um, starting to open up and uh, hopefully everyone uh, if they follow rules properly they follow facts and, and everything is structured properly we can open up successfully how do they mentally prepare as business owners or even employees how do people mentally prepare to start going back to their normal lives successfully and i say that just as as normal as it can be yeah, you know, it's it's one of those things where on, it really is going to heavily depend on kind of how the virus, um, how prevalent it was in the particular area that the business is opening. You know, some places got hit extremely hard and others didn't. Um, I'm in an area where we, we didn't really get hit very hard. So when businesses started opening back up, um, you know, I go into places now. I mean, I have a mask that I wear. But I go into pla- or a couple of masks <laughs> where when I go into places now, I see probably 80% of the people in these locations do not have masks on. There's no social distancing. 
you know, it's just kind of everybody's back to as close to normal as, you know, as we can. I don't understand. And so I think, I think it's important to kind of, um, kind of evaluate your area. If you're in an area that was really hit hard, I would be very mindful that most people are still going to be afraid to come out of their house. Yeah. You know, there's still, you know, yes, you know, the powers that be may say, okay, we're going to go back to reopening. Um, so the restaurants or whatever, the stores, that even though your place of business may open back up, that every employee may not be comfortable with that. And I think it's going to be important to to be okay if you have an employee who wants to wear a mask during the, you know, the board meetings or, yeah. and nobody else is wearing it. Maybe it's one person because you don't really know that person's health history and it's really none of your business, that person's health history. You know, that's why we have HIPAA in the first place because everyone doesn't need to know everyone else's health specifics. Right. But, you know, that person could have diabetes or they could have um, some type of underlying lung disease or asthma. Right. And so those people are at higher risk. Um, if there's someone in your company that maybe is older than the other staff, I think it's going to be really important to let people kind of move at their level of comfort and to have some grace if they want to wear masks, you know, long after other um, you know, entities have said that it's no longer necessary to not force people to have to expose themselves if they haven't got that comfort level. Because I can imagine, you know, if you're an employee and you're coming into a place of business where maybe you have to be exposed to quite a few people, if on top of that you have the anxiety of, um, I'm exposing myself, your level of work is going to go down. Yeah. You're, you're not going to be in a good headspace. And yeah. so anything that you can do to help that employee to be really at their best is only going to help your business. That is so true. That it, It's so, I actually ran into a situation where people were in converse, conversation within the office and um, one person was, I was telling the person, I said, hey, um, I know you smoke and I can most likely guarantee that you're coughing because you're smoking. Um, mm -hmm. But there are people here that are more, are e they're easier to obtain coronavirus. So we have mm -hmm. to learn that it's not about us that decisions need to be made about the team. And it's such an important factor that I think businesses need to understand that this is a, like it, it really doesn't get much bigger than team effort in this. And you have to have that mentality because you have to say, okay, I know I might not be symptomatic, but this person to my left, um, they are older in age. And even though I might not be affected by it because of my actions throughout the day, I have to figure out how to deal with my interactions with this person because it's not about me, it's about them. And we have to so think about that team element like that. And I think it's, to me, I feel like it's creating such a bigger team dyna dynamic when you think of it that I, 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 I'm not, I don't love the situation, but I love that it's bringing people together in that way, that they're thinking more personally about the person beside them. 
Yeah, that's so true. Let me ask you this. So, um, well, I'm saying that a lot today. I usually say I'm excited a lot, but today I I keep saying, let me ask you this. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I I find my lines and I think, like I said, it's, I'm going to have to pay you a lot for some of my sessions that I'm going to have after uh, this. So, um, (laughs) so how can families also start going back to a normal and support each other? Yeah. Well, I think for families, it's probably a little bit easier because you can, you, you do know each other's, you know, health history and can help others in your family feel as if their reentry is, I don't want to use the word normal, but that it's, um, you know, accepted because uh, for example, if you have someone in your family who has, let's say, asthma, and you as a family decide you're going to go into a restaurant, and you haven't you know, been in a restaurant for, what, three, two, three months now, um, when you just make that decision, you can start thinking through as a family, okay, what's our favorite? If we're going to do this, you know, <laughs> let's pick something that's just not like we're hungry, let's just go to, to McDonald's or something. Let's make it good. Let's go somewhere that we've really missed you know, over these three months, let's make it special. Let's let the person who has, you know, asthma or whatever it is, um, feel comfortable about the place that we're going. Because, I mean, if you think about it, if you're going to a restaurant, you can't wear a mask. I mean, you can't eat food with a mask on. So the person who's going in there would need to be comfortable, unmasked, um, and aware of what the setup is going to be. And so what I recommend for some families is to call the restaurant ahead of time ask, are you seating people, you know, every other table, you know, what's your layout so that we don't walk into a situation and we're like, oh, this isn't what we expected. Now we're all anxious and we're not sure if we even want to eat anymore, but we're comfortable. We understand that, okay, well, every other booth is being used. So it'll just be our family at this booth and then two booths away before we see another family. So I think it's, it's important to do those kind of, to walk through the process with family members and just really get, get specific and personal about what everyone's expectations are. I know for my own sons, you know, I we've had this conversation, like I said, our areas opened back up and I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm ready to go into a Mexican restaurant and have like <laughs> chips and salsa and quack. And, and they're like, no, thank you. And I'm like, what do you mean? But they were, you know, they're, they're watching the news right along with me. And I think my comfort level maybe is a little bit higher because I, with me being in medicine, I kind of read things a little bit different so i think my comfort level may be a little bit higher than theirs yeah. but they were concerned they were like i don't i don't think that's a good idea <laughs> and i'm sitting here thinking i have the md degree but i have to respect that right because if i go in there with them they're not going to have a good time they're going to be miserable the whole time yeah. they're going to be looking around the second someone coughs or sneezes, they're going to be in a panic and that's not a good family atmosphere so you know in those situations you do the curbside to go <laughs> instead yeah and enjoy enjoy it at home and you still get your guac and chips so there you go (laughs) (laughs) it is so true it's so important i think i'm on the opposite side and my wife is just like you she wants to go do things but i'm more concerned i'm more like no we don't don't touch that i don't know where it's been it's it's been sitting there Mm -hmm. for a while i know but i don't know 
if it I know it's a rock I don't know I just don't know where it's been <laughs> I know it probably hasn't moved but I'm still concerned about the rock and I'm I I, have, I really have been more concerned than she has but I have mm-hmm. had to understand that we have to find um a middle ground we have to this is not something yeah. that we need to stage shuttered and quarantine our our, our mental uh, aspect of our lives too much that we have to find our ways to come out and find our ways whatever like you said whichever ways are comfortable and I've learned to meet my wife in in the middle we we've gone out for walks and it, it made me feel a lot better we've gone and done things uh, I've worn my mask when I go to the grocery store uh, and we started going to the grocery store because I got tired of not receiving all my groceries from where we asked to have it delivered. I'm like, man, really? The most important <laughs> ingredient, it didn't come. So now I have no dinner at all. So, uh, but no, and, and, and we, we, found, we found our time and we're gradually uh, going back out and doing things. I, um, when it comes to work, I, I've been going into the office half a day and doing things you know there half a day so it's been an incredible transition to get our lives not just me myself and my wife but everyone's getting their lives back to a uh, normal um sandra how can people find out more about you and hear from you well my main website is i choose my best life.com and then to learn about my speaking and, and really about the, the specific work that I do is at drdaltonsmith.com. So just dr daltonsmith, D-A-L-T-O-N.com. Uh, awesome. We're going to put this on your episode. Um, my problem is that I feel like I can keep asking you 100 questions, but my bank account only goes so far. So, <laughs> so we're going to end here, but I'm going to put all your information for everyone uh, on your episode so people can get in touch with you. They can find out more about you. And uh, hopefully people, please go to her website. Please learn because it's so important for us to find these grounds that she's talking about in our lives right now because it's so stressful. There's a lot of anxiety happening. And I think if we learn these tips, these methods, it's going to help us breathe. It's going to help us be able to get back to that normal that we want. And it's going to be incredible when we're able to not blame the rock for moving. Oh, I guess my joke didn't my joke didn't land. That's that's a good thing. Oh, I was waiting for you. To- <laughs> my joke didn't land. Yeah, I was I was closing it out, but then I said my rock joke. I was waiting for a laugh. It didn't work out. It's okay. A lot of my jokes sometimes don't land, and I've ex- I have accepted that in my life so <laughs> Sanja I have a tendency not to speak when the, when the host is closing <laughs> I've, I've found that a couple of times I've done that and they were like uh, we were trying to close the- <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> <laughs> no this is <laughs> it's totally fine this this is we we have a light conversation in business access it's it's literally a conversational piece it, 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 there's no uh, we're trying to have a certain structure, but we want it to be more conversational and, and people feel open to saying anything. Uh, it's always welcome. Uh, and I'll, I'll slow okay. down. On, I'll slow down on my jokes. <laughs> so one more time, where can people find out more about you? Uh, 
the best place would be on my main website at ichoosemybestlife.com. And then I also have about my speaking specifically on my website at drdaltonsmith.com. So it's just D-R-D-A-L-T-O-N-S-M-I-T-H.com. Awesome. Sandra, thank you so much for being on with us today. And thank you for all your advice. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Awesome. You have a great day. You too. Take care. Bye-bye.